0: Well, thanks again for being here. We're going to continue our series this morning in 1 Timothy. And uh, the subject of the morning at first glance may seem to be insignificant to some. It may even surprise you some of the instruction that's going to kind of come forward this morning. But actually, it's a very important passage for us as a body of believers to get our minds around. It's very important. Uh, And I want to remind you before we read this and before we get too far in, 1 Timothy was written, right, to Timothy. It was instruction for Timothy for the church in Ephesus. But in this particular case, the instruction is very clear that it would apply to any church life-giving church the instruction would be for us this morning and the subject at hand if you've been tracking some of you know where we're headed is we're going to talk this morning about widows the care for widows in the church is vital women in general when we look at scripture are to be cared for are to be protected In Scripture, women are the object of provision and preservation and protection. The Bible describes a woman as the weaker vessel. It's God's design. Not in spiritual strength being less or intellectual strength, not strength of character being any less, but from a physical dimension. That's how the Bible describes, and as a rule, women fall under the umbrella of male protection, provision, authority, and direction, and ultimately under God's care because God loves women. And it's similar to the plight of orphans as well. In fact, almost in every case uh, throughout Scripture, when you read about widows, it's orphans and widows needing to be cared for. I want to just take you through a few verses. Uh, Turn with me to Psalm chapter 68, and we'll start there. And we'll kind of flip through a few of these and uh, share some of these verses just to kind of lay a foundation. Psalm 68, verse 5 says this. Actually, let's start in verse 4. It says, Sing to God, sing praises to His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord, and rejoice before Him. So we're talking about the Lord here. It says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. Make no mistake, the Holy Spirit, Jesus God, our Heavenly Father, is a defender of widows. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18 says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widows, and He loves the aliens, giving them food and clothing. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 22, another great verse that, that kind of d- captures this idea. Exodus 22, it says, Do not take advantage of a widow, or an orphan if that's not clear i'm not sure what is let me read it again do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan verse 23 if you do and they cry out to me in other words if you do wrong to an or to an orphan or to a widow and they say oh god help me because someone has hurt me or done me wrong and you they cry out to the lord I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. I mean, this is serious. God is a defender of widows. Now, when we go to the New Testament... Uh, some people say, well, there's a God of the Old Testament, God of the New. No, God is the same yesterday as He is today, as He is forever. And we are encouraged not to mess around when it comes to widows. Jesus was caring for widows in His earthly ministry. He actually revered uh, the widow that gave two mites. They just gave everything she had in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. Uh, Jesus also, He's on. On the cross, and he makes provision for his mother, who by most uh, commentators believe that at that point uh, had been widowed herself, that Joseph most likely had passed away. He was caring for, making provision for, uh, for his mother in that way. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, one of the first things that the church had to address as as the early church was exploding was the ministry that was established to help widows. And turn with me to one more place James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 27. I love this. This is so great. It says, Religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless. Is this. In other words, if you want to get it right in your life, if you want to walk out this faith that you are uh, involved in, look what it says. It says to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Pure religion is to care for widows and orphans. To sum it up, God has a special compassion, a special care, a special concern for the protection, preservation, and provision for widows. It's the way He establishes uh, 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 to care. And we see that in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Turn with me there, and I'm going to ask that you would stand to honor God's word. We're going to read this, we're going to pray, and then we're going to look at two major principles that are found in these verses. But 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3 is where we'll start. Look what it says. It says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives." "...give the people these instructions too, so that no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality." "'washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, "'and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. "'As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list, "'for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, "'they want to marry.' Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house, and not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. For some have in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. Verse 16, last verse. If any woman who is a believer and has widows in her family, she should help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Let's pray. Lord, these few verses in Timothy, uh, a lot of times we just read over them, unfortunately. But God, as we slow down, as we... Uh, take a look at these. I pray that they would speak loud and clear, that you would help us to discern how to apply these verses, and we pray this for your glory, for your honor, that there would be application in every single person's life here today. We pray this for your glory and honor, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. You can be seated. So as I was studying this this week, there were really two major principles that we see that I saw in the text. The first one is this, and we're going to dive right in, that the church has an obligation to support widows. It is crystal clear. The church needs to support widows. Let's look at verse number three. It says, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Now, I want to break that down into kind of three different parts there. The first is this idea of proper recognition. As I studied that, it means to give honor, to give value, to respect. It's really a follow-up from verses one and two that we talked about last week. The idea is to support And There's emotional support, but there's also, as you study this, a financial support that is implied. Verse 3 continues, and we see uh, that it says, for those widows. And you say, well, widows. In our mind, in our culture, a widow is someone who has lost their husband where the husband has passed. But that's not necessarily the case uh, when we study this verse. The word widow in the Greek would not be limited only to those where their husbands had passed, but would include any woman alone due to death, divorce, diversion. Clearly seen in Greek literature that this idea would include any woman that is alone, any woman with no one to care for them. And for whatever reason, it didn't, didn't matter, it, they would be categorized as a widow. And so honoring widows, supporting them with your kindness, with your respect, with favor... And also with financial blessing, which really followed uh, something that we saw Jesus talk about in Matthew 15, 1 through 6, where he talked about respecting and honoring your parents, and there's uh, ties there. But then there's this third part of that first verse that says, for those who are really in need, those with no source of income, Those who have indeed lost their husband due to divorce or had they been deserted or separated for some reason. Literally, it means those that were totally alone and without resources. So we're talking about women that are unprotected, uncared for, unprovided for, that are vulnerable. Then the church has an obligation to support these women, these widows, in that standpoint. And you say, well, how does that apply to us, right? Well, it's interesting. I asked Pastor Bobby for the list of attendance for, the, for our church, and as I went through, there is a large amount of individuals that would fit this category at our church, more than I expected, over 20, less than 30, so somewhere in that range, if I counted them right. There's a lot of folks that fit, Fit in this category, and there are many here even this morning. And the church, we have an obligation to support these widows. But that leads us to the second thing, and as we continue to look at these verses, that the church must support, but they also must evaluate widows needing support. It's not just get in line and here you go, there must be wisdom. And some administration, some stewardship. We saw that in Acts chapter six, verse one. The church is growing, and there needed to be some care for widows, and uh, and so they created some some way to make that happen. But let's look at verse four, and we're going to kind of track through these verses. The first idea is that there would be a widow that has family. Look what it says in verse four. But if a widow has children, Or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. For some people, when you read that, it's a surprise. Our culture does not support this idea necessarily. But this is straight from God's word, that if you have parents or grandparents that are all alone, that are widows, their responsibility is for the family to care first and first and foremost. That same idea is seen in First Timothy chapter three, just two chapters earlier, where children are given proper respect. That there's a managing of a household well, and really, this is how love is displayed within a family contest or context. The idea here is to repay, that there is a debt to grandparents and parents that as children, we owe them to care for them, fulfilling the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother. If there's a need and you have the ability to meet that need within your family context, you need to care for them. Does that make sense? The idea continues in verse 8. Let's look at it. It says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially his own immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The idea is providing for your own. This would include aunts and uncles and cousins in the context Believe it or not, some commentators would say this would even include your neighbors, even if they weren't blood relatives. But if there was someone in your life that was close to you and was all alone, there was a responsibility if you had the ability to care for them. It is purposefully vague here. It's not specific. And it says that if you don't do that, you've denied the faith. It doesn't mean you aren't a believer, but it, it's kind of talking about the gospel, to love your neighbor as yourself. You've denied that faith, and it describes you as worse than an unbeliever. No one wants to be described as that. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, listen, there are unbelievers that care for their own better than some believers care for their own because it's something within us that really should be displayed. The idea continues in verse 16. Look at it there. It says, If any woman who is a believer has widows in her family, she should help them, same idea, and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help the widows who are really in need. They help them and let the church not be burdened. Very interesting. A lot more needs are seen within a body even of our church body here than just the pastoral or the board can handle that's the truth there are a lot of needs that are seen week in and week out and the reality is there are some of you and some and i'm pointing at myself too that we can take care of some things from a natural standpoint we are all individually responsible to care for those that are around us that's what the word is saying the burden does not lie on the church and the staff initially it leads us to the second category where a woman is widowed and has no family let's look at back to verse 5 Verse 5 says the widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. The evaluation is up. The first is do they have family to care for them? The second is this, that is there a financial need, number one, Number two, are they really all alone that their family has abandoned or don't care or that there really truly is no one in their life? But then there's a third category here, seeing that the woman should live an exemplary life, a believer's life, that they are committed to God. And it is a high standard. Seeking God, look at verse 6. It says, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. That, that's the contrast. If there's no desire for God, they're spiritually dead. The church does not have the same responsibility for worldly widows. But if they're an exemplary believer, if they're walking in the faith and, they're, and are uh, consistent Look at verse 9, it kind of continues. The widow, um, uh, no widow should be put on the list unless they're 60 years old. Have been faithful to one husband. The idea there, and we'll talk about the 60 in just a minute, is faithful to one husband, that she is a one-man woman, right? We talked a couple weeks ago about an elder being a one-woman man. But the idea is that they're faithful in their relationship, It does allow in the context for divorce and for remarriage, but they're devoted to one. And so if they're committed to one, look what it says. They've been faithful, has been faithful to her husband. And then continues in in verse 10 and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. This is a checklist of virtues for any woman. If she has a good reputation, has excellent character, is blameless, in other words, she is good and she does good, then in context here, that the women that are being described would actually, in that context, in that that society, would be given a pension of sort from the church. This was ongoing help from the church, almost like welfare. Now, you look at verse 10, and I really like what John MacArthur says in response to that. He says, all these things that in verse 10 kind of describe reveal the required character and proper preparation for a woman to be placed on a list of servants in the church. Has she cared for children? Has she cared for orphans? Does she love strangers? Has she served humbly? Has she aided the trouble? Has, uh, and has she, her life been consistently flowing with good deeds? Has she diligently pursued those things and then it says, a godly woman, if she spent her life doing these things, then put her on a list and send her out to minister. And that was the idea, that if there's going to be ongoing support, that that widow would give her life for the church, and she would be serving day in and day out. It was an, an interesting study to look, to look over. Verse 10 also describes an age differentiation. 60 years old. Again, this was to describe permanent, ongoing support. You say, well, why not 30 years old, or 25, or 40, or 50? I don't know. And it really has to do with wisdom and maturity. Let's look at, in verse 11, uh, Paul says to Timothy, As for the younger widows, and I'm sure he had people in mind, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. In other words, they've committed to the church saying, all right, I'm going to be giving, I'm going to be serving, I'm going to be on staff, so to speak, and there will be a pension, there's going to be care for that widow, but because they're giving and giving, the church is caring and supporting them along the way. And if they're younger and Mr. Wright comes along, they're going to get distracted, right? Their their servings is going to diminish, and Paul is identifying this. Let's look at verse 12. Look what it says. Thus, they bring judgment on themselves because they've broken their first pledge. That first pledge for a widow that was going to be supported by the church was, look, you're giving your life to Christ. You are serving the church, and the church will support you along the way. But in other words, when... when the, like it says, essential desires, they overcome the dedication to Christ. Let's look at verse 13. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. In other words, they've got a lot of energy, right? Not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things that they ought not to. They're idle. They struggle maybe with time management. They become gossips, busy bodies. And really ultimately when it boils down to it's talking about maturity. It's talking about wisdom. And really, 60 years old is not necessarily an age that it's, you know, you're 59 and three quarters, you're almost there. It's listen, it's a it's a state of being of maturity and wisdom when you're deciding if we're going to support a widow in that way and if that's the case the big therefore comes in verse 14 and 15 it says so therefore i counsel younger women to marry to have children to manage their homes and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander some have in fact already turned away to follow satan his advice to timothy to encourage these widows in the church that were younger were to get married to have kids Find a man to support you, not turning to the church to give your life in that way. And that is the thrust of what Timothy was hearing from Paul. Now, I want to wrap this up here and just kind of ask the big question, why should we help widows? And I want to go back to the Old Testament. There's two verses. The first one is in Deuteronomy chapter 14. Verses 28 and 29, kind of describing God's law for His people, and it answers the why we should an, or why should we should care for widows. Look at verses 28 and 29. It says at the very end of the three years, bring all the tithes of the year's produce and store it, it in your towns. Why? So that the Levites, who have not a lot have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the aliens, so this is to support the, the priests, the, the ones serving in the church, to support aliens, to support the fatherless, and the widows who live in your town and may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands." If I were to take a quick poll and say, do you want to be blessed in what you do in your work? I'm sure 100% of the hands would go up. Listen, the reality is when you care for widows and orphans and you are faithful in your tithes, according to this, and you care for aliens and care for the pastors within the church in this context, but let's just narrow it down to widows. When you care for widows, you are eligible for a blessing. Don't pass every widow off to the church what you can handle for yourself when there's someone in your life that is struggling, that is really all alone and has need, and you have the ability, help them, and God will bless you back. That's pretty incredible. Now I want you to flip a couple pages over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm sorry, 27. Deuteronomy 27, we see a different side of the story. I want to read verse 16. First, it says, Cursed is the man who dishonors his father or mother. And, I mean, that's just uh, straight up. Uh, if you're not honoring your father and mother, um, you're going to be cursed. But look what verse 19 says. It says, Cursed is the man who withholds justice from the alien, from the fatherless, that's the orphan, or the From the widow. Let's narrow it down to just the widow. If you withhold good deeds when it's in your ability to meet a need, the Bible says instead of blessings, you're going to be cursed. You help a widow, you're blessed. You don't, and you will be cursed. Now, I'm no rocket science. I just spent the week with Luke Hardy, I'm no chemical engineer. But I can understand Scripture a little bit. That it that doesn't take rockets out. With widows, and there is genuine need. There are some levels here. If they have family, the children, the grandchildren should be taken care. If there's no immediate family, but there's men and women within the family, it, that's the next level. And then the church, meaning each of us, we are the church. We should be caring for widows and orphans and the aliens and the pastors for that matter all right now listen and when that can't happen then it can come to the church and then there's a process within the church to continue to evaluate using this particular grid to say okay what is the need now there's a few takeaways here and I know I want to wrap up here shortly the first takeaway is this, and this really kind of struck me, that caring for your parents and grandparents, caring for your relatives and even your neighbors is your responsibility. That, I, I always thought my parents were taking care of me. I'm just, I'm just going to say. My parents, they bless us. They, you know, they are generous with us. But ultimately, at some point, it will be my responsibility to care for my parents and my grandparents, my relatives, those that are close to me, my neighbors even. It's our responsibility to do that. It's really a follow-up from last week to honor, to respect those that are elders among us. And the reality, like I said earlier, society is not very good at this. And when we fail to do this, though, we really hurt ourselves. When we don't understand this, when we don't walk this out, we really limit ourselves. We must honor and respect older men and women. Amen? Amen. The second takeaway... Is that the church is not expected to support everyone who's in need. There's distinction, there's stewardship requirements, there must be some criteria. Otherwise, we may not be helping someone along the way. And certainly with non believers, well, there's not the same responsibility for non believers as there are for those who are living their lives committed to the Lord. And what I thought about this is really, this is where it gets messy for us. It is not easy to to, uh, have criteria or to really get to the nitty-gritty saying, is this woman or is this individual worthy of our effort? But what it does, it causes us to live out our mission, to really connect. With others and to connect with the world around us and I want to encourage us that it's worth the effort and it's absolutely incredible when we actually go through the process to be able to reach out and to do that the third thing is uh, the third takeaway for me was that we are the church that's us and we have got to get involved in these matters and I mean each of us, and corporately, we will continue to do so through benevolence and through other ways. But I, I just had this holy discontent that there are a lot of folks that pass widows and orphans off and say someone else will care for them, or they bring them to the church and say you take care of them when there's the ability in your own life to care for and to take care of those needs. And I had this picture in my mind that there are all these widows, even in our church body here, that many are not being cared for properly to the fullest extent where they could be because we turn a blind eye. And so my encouragement is to get involved, to step up. And in that regard, when we're talking about young people, I would say that in the context here, a busy life is a safe life. Uh, When you have a lot of energy, stay busy, stay active, be serving in that way. Otherwise, it talks about being an idler and a gossiper and all those things. But can I say to those that are older among us as well, or those that may be retired or close to retirement, we need you as well to get involved, to stay involved. In that context, in Ephesus, Timothy would have put those widows to work in serving the Lord. And it wasn't, okay, we're going to support you, and now you get the good life, just relax and sip tea around the pool. No, it was, let's get involved. Let's stay involved. And let God use each and every one of us for his glory, for his honor. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. It's so practical. God, I pray in the next moment here that we would uh, be able to discern and begin to apply these verses in our lives. Help us, God, to be able to, uh, to see it practically and to begin to live it out or continue to do so. Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for the widows among us. And Lord, help us to have a heart for them, to care for them, to partner with them, to shoulder their burdens. And God, we give you the praise and glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask that you just keep your eyes uh, bowed and your, uh, or your head bowed and eyes closed here just for a moment. As we wrap up this morning, and I know this wasn't a salvation message, but I want to give it an opportunity. If you're here today, and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, um, I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible is real clear. says that if we have sin in our lives, which it also describes in the Bible that we're all sinners, we've all fallen short. If there's sin, we are disqualified from spending an eternity with Jesus. That means you, if there's one sin, it will hold you back from heaven. But the gift of God, the Bible says, salvation is, a, is available for those who believe in Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you the opportunity of a lifetime to accept Jesus and to let God save your soul. If you're here and that's you and you're ready to make that decision, I want just you just to slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I do want to pray for you, though, and ask God to, um, to fill you with His Holy Spirit, to save you. Is there anyone here for service that would want to respond in that way? All right. Okay, I don't see any hands. With your head, continue to be bowed and eyes closed. As, as we just finish this up, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is at work and can be at work in our hearts right here, right now. And what I'd like for each of you to do is to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a burden for someone to care for over the next season. You, as an extension of the church, making a difference in someone's life. It could be a widow, it doesn't have to be. But this morning, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts to be caring for others around us. Now, there are some examples here, and I could uh, pull some out, uh, that, that some of you would do this quite well and do it behind the scenes and almost no one knows. And, uh, and I want to admonish you and, and fan that flame. But there are some others that it would be healthy for you to identify in your life someone that you could be burdened for, that you could care for, get to know them. How can I come alongside them? And you have the resources to do so. And as an extension of the church, as an extension of Christ himself, that you could make all the difference. And really, I think that's the big big takeaway this morning. And so as the Lord is just speaking to you, Even at this point, who could you care for? The widows in your life, those that are older, or others in your life. How can you live out the mission? And as we think and pray over that idea, I'm going to close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be speaking to each one that is here, that you would capture our hearts, and that we would apply these virtues, into our lives. God, that you would make the difference through us. Use us, God, to care for others, to be kind to, to be compassionate, but ultimately, even financially, to be able to support and to reach out with food and clothes and other supplies. God, help us to be a generous people living out your word, and we pray it in your holy name, in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen and amen.